I have a confession to make. I had the idea to write a book for years before I finally put pen to paper and published the book. So the big question is this, how do people like me who battle doubt and insecurity push past their fears and publish a book? Well, that is the question, and this podcast is going to give you the answers. So join me as I bring you behind-the-scenes interviews and insights so that you can move forward and publish your book with boldness and courage. My name is Coach Tam, and this is Publishing Secrets. Have you ever heard the saying, expect the unexpected? Well, I will tell you, the, the more that I journey with God, the more those words become true. He often moves in ways that we could never anticipate. And the way that he moves often exceeds our wildest expectations. And so this week on Publishing Secrets, I'm honored to have with me Candy Arrington, who has been on a journey with God that has included one unexpected event after the other. And her testimony about what God can do when you are willing to flow with the unexpected is going to bless you. Because see, sometimes, I don't know about you, but if I confess, sometimes I try to make things happen. And Candy's story reminds us that if we put our trust in God, that he will work everything out, yes, in an unexpected way, but in a way that will blow our minds. So get ready to be inspired that God is still up to something good in your life if you will just allow him to work. Enjoy. Well, Candy, welcome to Publishing Secrets. We've had such a great conversation so far that I'm looking forward to cluing the audience in on your journey as an author, the books that you've written, and just your personal testimony. There's so many nuggets there that I think our listening audience is going to benefit from. So thank you for joining us today. Thank you. Well, Kenny, let's start at the beginning. You know, as we were chatting, I realized that you have been a writer for over 20 years. So this has been quite a journey for you. Why don't you tell us a little bit about what started your journey in writing? Like, what was your inspiration? Were you that person that was writing when you were a child and then decided to take the leap and publish your first book? What did that look like for you? I think I could go all the way back to childhood just in that I was an only child. And so I kind of invented my own ways of entertaining myself. And often that was with pretend stories with maybe my dolls acting that out or stuffed animals or whatever. But when I first had the indication that I was called to write, my husband and I were on a retreat with a group from our church. And the Lord woke me up early one morning, and I just had words swirling in my head, and I got up and grabbed my journal and began to write, and later when we were together for a group meeting, I shared some of what I had written, and when it was over, 
several people came up and said, could I have a copy of what you read? And so that was my first indication that perhaps writing was something that could minister to others, not just, you know, a personal way of processing emotions and thinking about things. And so that was really my first indication that that I was headed in that direction. I majored in English, and so I had always enjoyed writing, but I, I really had never thought of doing it for publication until hmm. that weekend. Wow. And now, fast forward, you have published three books with three different publishers, so looking forward to walking the audience through that journey. But the first book that you publish really has an important message. All of them do, but it was a a unique experience that you had gone through and you felt the need to help others, even though it wasn't your personal, like it, it hadn't happened personally to you. Tell us a little bit about Aftershock and the story behind that book. Aftershock is a book for those who have lost a loved one to suicide. And although I never had a family member, thankfully, who uh, committed suicide, I had had several friends that I grew up with who, as young adults, committed suicide. And I just didn't really understand that. And then a man in our community um, murdered his wife and then committed suicide, and it was disturbing. It was someone that I knew personally and knew his children, and so it was very disturbing for me as a young parent to encounter that, and uh, I collaborated with a Christian counselor who had lost his father to suicide and wrote the book based on information from him and from interviews that I did with people who lost a loved one to suicide, and so That was, you know, I had some misconceptions about suicide, and I think we all do. And so part of the book is not only to help people be able to move forward after this traumatic event in their lives, but also to help them understand the mindset of someone who is suicidal. I think sometimes we hear the phrase that they took the coward's way out. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that's not always accurate because it really is often associated with a mental health situation with depression or pain or some other, you know, physical pain or some other thing that causes people to decide that this is the only logical step for them. And really they're dealing with some, some issues that cause them to mentally not be able to process that there is hope and that there is, you know, a way forward despite what they're going through. So I think a lot of times we have misconceptions. One of the others is that we've often been taught that if you commit suicide, you go straight to hell. Mm -hmm. And that is not scriptural. And so we wanted to convey that also, because that's probably one of the hardest things Mm -hmm. for uh, suicide survivors. And by that, we mean those who have survived the loss of a loved one. But one of the hardest things is thinking that their loved one is in hell, even though they have you know, made a decision for Christ. And so we wanted to dispel that myth also because that is one of the things that really is difficult for people to work through. So, you know, this book was born out of uh, wanting to dispel some of those myths, but also to provide hope and healing for people who've gone through a really, really difficult time in their lives. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
you know, as you shared earlier, as we were talking, it can be perceived as a bit of a downer or a dark subject. Yet, as you were having the conversation about this particular book, it became clear to those that helped you to bring it to life that it was a topic that needed to be talked about. And it's such an amazing God story. Tell us about how Aftershock came to be. I attended the Blue Ridge Christian Writers Conference in North Carolina at Ridgecrest. And this was 2001. And I had studied the editors that were going to be there. And I had a very specific editor that I felt was the right person to see. And after I got there, I found out that she was only there for one day, which meant she had very limited appointments. Uh, Three, I believe, was the number that she had. And if you've ever been to a writer's conference, you know that the sign-up process is mass chaos. They release you from a group meeting. (laughs) And everyone (laughs) just runs to wherever the location is. At this particular year, the sign-up sheets were in the same room as the group meeting. So there was no running across campus like there is today. But they were all across on tables across the walls. And I saw this hundreds of people just shift. It's almost like the room just shifted, you know, as they all ran over there. And I just said, God, there's no way. There is no way that I can get on the point with this woman. And he just said, trust me. And as I walked across the room, it was like the parting of the Red Sea. Everybody just moved aside. And I could see this editor's name on the table. And I just stepped right through that opening and put my name on the last appointment on that list. And when I met with her the next day, she was all business. And there was no chatting, no warm up <laughs> or anything. <laughs> um, she just, I handed her my proposal and there was dead silence as she read and I was sweating and nervous. And then she just stopped and, and said, you know, our publishing house is getting out of this line of books out of the self-help. But uh, and she named an agent. She said, he is here today. He's here this week. Don't let him get away from you. And so that night I sat at his table hoping to talk to him, which is often done at conferences. If you can't get an appointment with somebody, you sit at a table and, you know, pitch your idea there. But there was a woman who talked nonstop. And no one who sat at that table got a word in edgewise. She was determined that she was, you know, going to have his full attention. But afterwards, he asked me, he said, did you want to talk to me about something? And I said, well, I can't get an appointment with you, but I met with this other editor and she said, don't let you get away. <laughs> and he said, well, meet me for breakfast. And in my mind, I thought we will go over in a corner at a table and we will have this private conversation. And, you know, I had it all in my head how it was going to work out. When I got there the next morning, There's a bank of windows in the cafeteria, and as you pass by, you can see into the cafeteria there. And he was at a table, a full table, (laughs) and uh, I went through and got my tray, and the whole time I was muttering under my breath, this is not what I, you know, this is not what I expected. (laughs) And when I got to the table, he said, we saved you a place. I hope you don't mind. If they listen, I thought they might learn something, and I said, to myself, yes, they will learn how a novice writer is filleted by 
a seasoned editor. That's for a thing. <laughs> and uh, so that's not what happened, though. I gave just a brief pitch about the book, handed him the proposal. And then I just decided I would be quiet for a minute. And when I stopped talking, spontaneously, everyone at that table told a story of how suicide had had an impact on their life, beginning with a pastor who said, I had two suicide deaths in my congregation this summer, and I have no idea how to respond to their loved ones. And it just went from there. The next woman said, my mother and grandmother committed suicide. And, you know, that kind of thing, all the way around the table. And the last person said, there was a man in our neighborhood who molested all the little girls and then killed himself. And so, you know, the editor looked at me and he said, when you first started talking, I thought there's no way we'll publish this because it's a, the subject's a downer. But he said, this table is a microcosm of society, and there is a need for this book. And then when he took it to committee, he asked those on the committee, raise your hand if your life has in some way been impacted by suicide. And it was everyone on the committee. And so that's how God brought that about. And I just back up and say that if I had tried to orchestrate that table, that breakfast table, it would never have happened. There's no way that I could have, even if I had canvassed everyone at that conference and said, I need a table full of people who have experience with suicide. It would not have happened. It was totally God. And I was a new writer. I had only been writing, had maybe had five things published, a couple of devotionals and, you know, just not much. And so when you look back at that and think, that a publishing house as large as B&H, Broadman Holman, would take a risk on a novice writer on a tough topic, then you very quickly see that God's hand was in it and that he orchestrated the events that led up to that book. Yeah, it's just, uh, and I know we'll talk about your latest book about the importance of waiting well. But even in this experience, you know, going all the way back so many years ago, there had to be a level of trust and surrender as you were going through this process. Because, you know, one of the things that stood out to me is the young lady said, don't let them get away from you. Mm -hmm. And being in our flesh, you know, who we are, we could take that to mean, you know, I've got to be in charge of this. I got to make sure that this happens because she said, Don't let him get away from me. And if you had taken that approach, you certainly played a part because you sat at his table that day, but there could have been a different way that that conversation that night was handled. You could have tried to butt your way in and shut that lady down so that you could have your moment. But just being willing to trust that you had done your part Mm -hmm. and that God was going to do his part to ensure what needed to happen happened according to his timetable and his vision, which often does not line up with what we think. It rarely does. Our time frame is rarely God's. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm thankful for that journey, that story, and for your obedience. I I just believe that there's someone that's going to listen to this episode that's going to take away so much from that, that yes, it can happen 
to a newbie author that doesn't have all of the things that we talk about today as being so important when God ordains something to happen where he guides, he will provide. So if God is calling you to do something, even a subject that is dark or one that you haven't personally experienced, if he has tapped you and said that I need you to be the one to carry this message, then trust that God is going to open the doors that are necessary for it to happen and for it to have the platform that it needs. No doubt this book has reached people that it would not have been able to reach, perhaps if it were a self-published book. So God is intentional in all that he does. You shared with me 13 years in print, which is which is mm-hmm. unheard of. So God clearly had his hands on this book and it led to so many others. So then when your aging parent needs care and the current book, Life on Pause, Learning to Wait Well. I want to talk a little bit about your latest work through Bold Vision Books, because as I was reading it, I could see myself all throughout the pages struggling with the patience to wait with a good attitude. That's the way Joyce Meyer describes it. She says, we're going to wait anyway, but patience is waiting with a good attitude. And and I was convicted by that when I heard that years ago, because I say, I wait, but I'm not so sure. (laughs) that I have a good attitude while waiting. Talk to me a little bit about the circumstances that you and and Jim, your husband, experienced that really drove home this importance of talking about this subject of waiting well. Well, initially, and I'll go back to early in our marriage, we dealt with infertility. Mm -hmm. And so we had years of wanting children and not being able to have children. And so that was in our history. And I will say that I did not wait well during those days. Confession <laughs> uh, time. <laughs> you know, I did not wait well. I was, so fo- I was so focused on emotion and frustration mm. that, you know, I just did not understand why we were having to deal with this. And so I did not wait well in those years. And, of course, we learned through circumstances. And so many years later, when our children were grown, we went through a period of about a year where after Jim had been with his company for 30 years, was called into a meeting one morning and let go. And it was unexpected. We were in the middle of a contractor supervised house renovation, pretty extensive renovation of our home where we had lived for almost 30 years at that time. And so, you know, it was unexpected. He he jumped in immediately and started looking and was able to secure a job within about three weeks, which, you know, we heaved a sigh of relief and said, thank you, Lord. And later we learned that that was just a preparation for what was ahead because about 11 months later, the main project that he was hired for, and he's an architect, with the new company was put on hold. And uh, there was somewhat of an economic downturn and this was happening all over the building and architectural fields, but that project was put on hold and that was the main thing that he was hired for. And it was not a situation where they said, okay, we'll move you to a different job. They just said goodbye. (laughs) So again, he was without work this time you know, the first time was kind of a hiccup. This was uh, more prolonged. We went into a season of about eight months without income. And 
you know, we were at a point in our lives where we just didn't really expect that, you know, kind of headed toward retirement more so than looking for a, another new job. Right. <laughs> so during that time, of course, it was stressful. And I just really began to seek the Lord. And I was reading, having my quiet time one morning, and I came to the story where the words are used thus far the Lord has helped us thus far. Mm. And I started thinking about all the thus far's in our lives. And I began to reflect on the history of our, our lives with God and going all the way back into my childhood and the family that I was raised in. And I, and I just saw over and over again, God's faithfulness. And it encouraged me because I kept Applying that phrase thus far and thinking, okay, thus far, the Lord helped us through infertility. The Lord helped us through caregiving, aging parents. The Lord helped us through the teen years of, with our children. The Lord helped, you know, and I just kept, I just enumerated all those thus fars and went through, you know, the spiritual markers in our lives. And in doing that, I realized that this waiting season didn't have to be a negative thing, mm. that it could be a time when we benefited from just seeing the Lord at work and watching for him at work in our lives and uh, not feeling like we had to make something happen, but just trusting and waiting. And I think many of us, you know, encounter those seasons in life where we it's kind of human nature and it's kind of our culture to think that we have to make things happen. Mm-hmm. We're in a fast moving society and we're taught that if we don't act and react quickly, then we're going to miss out. Mm-hmm. So we're not in a society and a culture that teaches us that waiting could be for our benefit or for our protection. So, you know, just thinking along those lines, then I begin to, despite the, Fear And there's an element of fear in waiting because you don't know what's coming next or if things are going to turn out the way you want them to. But in that time frame that we had there for those eight months, just trying to see the Lord at work and watch for his faithfulness during that time. Hmm. You know, and one of the things that I appreciate, Candy, about your story and some of those that kind of opened your book talked about the balance of scripture and personal stories, but not preaching, because sometimes a book can come across that way as preachy, but you definitely came across as, hey, I'm I'm walking this journey with you. And here are some of the things that I learned. In addition to that, what I appreciated is the number of different angles in which you looked at the subject of waiting. I shared with you earlier, you know, a lot of my experience with that topic is, you know, more trust God, wait. <laughs> wait with a good attitude, but it is infinitely more complicated than that because of our human nature and the feelings and emotions and the external influences that we have to battle through in order to be able to wait well. So I wonder if you could share with us, you know, how did you end up, you know, I was surprised to see the number of chapters in your book. How did you flesh out the different angles of exploring the topic of waiting? After my husband got another job and things had kind of settled down and everything, I 
have written a good bit for CBN.com over the years. And I know the editor well, and I just asked if she would be interested in an article on waiting. And she said yes. And so uh, in the course of writing that article, I pulled out that article title was, um, I think it was Six Simple Truths for Seasons of Waiting. And so as I do with articles, I had sub points and that kind of thing. So that kind of set up a little bit of a structured framework for that. At the time, I had no idea that I had, you know, there was no thought of writing a book on this <laughs> Wow. So that sort of, you know, gave me somewhat of a framework. But then, as is often the case when you begin writing a book, the Lord pours ideas in, and uh, a lot of times it's like just taking dictation, not necessarily for the actual words, but for the framework. Mm-hmm. And I think for anybody who is interested in writing a book, it helps to go ahead and do an annotated outline so you know if you have enough material to be able to sustain a book. Often when I am on faculty at conferences, I'll meet with people in private appointments who are interested in writing a book. And what I discover is often that they really what they have is an article rather than a book. Mm-hmm. That's good. Um, it's not that it couldn't eventually be a book, but it's just that the amount of information they have right then is not going to be book length. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's hard to get them to understand that. But unless you can put some flesh on the bones <laughs> and uh, sustain it for longer than, you know, 3,000 words, you really don't have a book idea. And so... You know, I had had that framework and really had no idea that I would turn it into a book. But um, a couple of years ago, I think it was 2019, when I went back to the Blue Ridge Conference, I talked to the Bold Vision folks. And, you know, I had not, I had no plan to talk to them. I had no proposal. I had no pitch sheet. But as I was sitting there in the room, in the appointment room, and meeting with other people, and there was a lull in the appointments that I had, and I was just sitting there, and I thought, I wonder if that article could be a book. Wow. And <laughs> I had a conversation, and they said, send me, a, you know, send me a proposal, and it went from there. And that was not at all, you know, God gave me that spark, that idea mm-hmm. of sitting there in that appointment room. And so I think we have to be open. You know, we may have a plan of where we want to go next with our writing, but often God's plan is different. And if we can be flexible and be receptive and be open to his voice, then he can do some amazing things. And he is much more capable than we give him credit for. And so that's how that book came about is from a personal experience, an article, and then the Lord's nudging at a conference to pitch it as a book idea. (laughs) You know, there are so many God stories in your journey as an author. And one of the things that stands out as you shared that story is it started with the seed. You know, I, I think of the initial article that you wrote as the seed for what would eventually become the book. So we never know what God is going to do with that initial idea that we're obedient to. It can grow into something 
much bigger that has a much bigger impact. So it, it reminds me of scripture, you know, not despising the day of small beginnings because you just never know what God is going to do. But then it, it definitely underscores for me, and I think it's a reminder to all of us that our relationship with God is really what is most key here. Because in order for you to be able to hear, like you said, you had to be open, which meant that you had to have a level of intimacy in your relationship with God for him to speak to you and for you to hear it and to take action, right? So it's not just about us developing our writing skills and understanding the publishing in and out and being a good marketer. All of those things practically are important, but ultimately it is our relationship with God that will order our steps, that will open doors and will show us the path that we are to take. And your story definitely emphasizes that. I want to make sure that our audience, as we've shared so much today, I know that they're going to want to learn more about what you're up to, be able to check out these lovely books that you've put together. Where would you like our listening audience to go to connect with you and learn more? Uh, CandyArrington.com is my website. And on my website, if you're interested in my blog, Forward Motion, Moving Beyond What Holds You Back, I post one day a week there um, and have been doing that for about four years. So there's quite an archive of blogs there on various topics about maintaining forward motion in our lives and, and in our careers and our spiritual lives. And so I'd love for you to sign up for for the blog there if you're interested. You can also find me on Facebook, Candy Arrington Author, and Twitter, at Candy Arrington. And so I'd love for you to connect with me any of those ways. If you're interested in purchasing Life on Pause, Learning to Wait Well, it's available on Amazon and Barnes & Noble, and through your local bookstore, if you have a local Christian store. Hey, man. So audience, I want to make sure that you check out Candy's website. I've been there. She has a really well done website. Check out these books wherever you frequently purchase your books. I'm sure that you will find it there. And it's hard to believe time flies so fast. So I, I think I have two final questions for you, Carrie, as we wrap up. You talked about your blog, and that was one of the things that I was impressed with when I went to your website, the consistency at which you publish articles to your blog. And and we've talked about that you have published for a number of different print and online outlets. So you're an experienced writer, but consistency can be a challenge for some of us. So do you have any success secrets of being consistent with posting to your blog that our, our listening audience that's working on that may be able to glean some knowledge from? One thing that I did was First of all, I was very resistant to having a blog because I knew it was going to require consistency. And so I wanted to, the woman who was designing my website, she kept saying, just, you know, send me a blog so I can, you know, put it up here on here and see, you know, and I said, you don't understand. I've got to figure out a topic that I can sustain for a long period of time and that I can be consistent with. So I've really got to think about it. And so I did, I prayed about it and I thought about it and try, and then I came up with the forward motion idea. And because I think so many always get in kind of a state of stagnation with uh, writing with other elements of our lives. And it's easy to kind of fall into that. It's more comfortable to just kind of delay 
and not do the difficult work of whatever we need to to move forward. And so that's where that came from. But I had to make a commitment. I had to be serious about it and make a commitment that this is not going to be something that I back burner every week. That if it's a tough week, I'm not going to say, I'm not doing this. That if I'm sick, if I wake up sick on the day that I need to write it, that I'm going to figure out how to get it done or I'm going to write ahead. And so the other thing is that I'm constantly thinking about what I'm going to write that next. Mm -hmm. And I'm looking for lessons in various things that happen through my grandchildren or something I encounter in the marketplace or through nature or through something I read in scripture. And there are some weeks that I, you know, get to Monday and the blog sends out via email on Wednesday and I come I get to Monday and I think, okay, Lord, I have nothing. I'm not thinking about, I have no topic. I have no interest in doing this. So inspire me. And sometimes it doesn't happen until Tuesday afternoon, which is a little scary. But then other times I will have something like last week when I got an idea by looking at something in my yard. And so this week's blog will be about resilience and it's based on um, a plant that was severely damaged during the tornado that we had early last year. And I looked at that plant, I thought, you know, that plant is resilient. It has, mm. it has weathered the damage that it encountered and it's back and it's beautiful and it's blooming. And so, you know, sometimes I get those ideas ahead, but sometimes it's pull it out of a hat at the last minute and <laughs> on my knees in prayer. And so, you know, if you're going to do anything like that, you just have to make a commitment to not let other things get in the way. And sometimes that's hard, but that's, that's how I've been able to do it is to make it a priority. Mm -hmm. And then the other thing that I heard Candy too, is even when your back is against the wall, right? Because you can make the commitment, but if you feel like it's not coming, it's, I also heard in there, Hey, ask God to help you. Okay. I'm, I don't have an idea. (laughs) I've been trying to pay attention to what you're doing in my life and the lives of those around me. And it's just not clicking, Mm -hmm. but being willing to not just throw in a towel and say, it's not happening this week, but to take it to the person that knows the answer, what the Mm -hmm. topic can be for this week and allowing him to speak to you and give you those downloads that you need in order to be consistent. So, you know, I think it's just another reminder, not relying on ourselves and relying on God to give us what we need to accomplish the task Mm -hmm. that he has called us to. This has been an amazing time and I appreciate you being here today. I wonder if you can Give one more piece of advice. You know, there are authors, aspiring authors that are listening to this and maybe even some that have published and maybe their dream is to be able to get picked up by a publishing house. You've had the amazing story of that happening with the first book and then each subsequent book that you've published has been by a publisher I wonder if you could share a a final piece of advice for a person with whom that is their dream. I could give lots of advice, but the one thing that I will say is to attend a writer's conference. 
And I say that because it will give you insight into the publishing process and it will connect you with editors and agents, but also with other writers. And often you can learn as much from other writers as you can from editors and agents, especially if you're just starting out. Now, sometimes people discount that. I taught at a conference years ago in New Mexico, and a lady came to my table at a meal, and she set her tray down on my table, and she said, what publishing house do you work for? And I said, well, I don't. I'm I'm a professional writer. And she said, "Ah, well, then you can't help me. And she picked up her tray and moved to another table. And that day, I Mm -hmm. thought, you know, people a lot of times discount that they can receive any information or any help from another writer, but we've been through it. (laughs) We may be a step ahead on the road further ahead of you. And so if you will realize that knowledge comes from people in a lot of different sources, especially in this writing journey, and if you're willing to be teachable and to pay attention to, you know, writers, but also to editors and agents. And that's one thing that I often see is that if you're at a conference and someone asks a question or wants help with something, often they're impatient and they really don't want to go through the process and the learning that's required Uh to reach publication. And so if you can decide to be teachable and decide that you're going to learn for some people who have a little more knowledge than you do because they've been it a little bit longer, then I believe that you can experience success. But a conference gives you a much broader view than you will have as a novice writer, and it will provide opportunities that you just don't get if you're sitting at home and trying to mail things in or email things into an editor or an agent. So if you're, you know, if you're new to writing or even if you've had a few things published but you want to write a book, I would suggest attending a conference. Well, I hope that you have enjoyed this week's episode of Publishing Secrets, where our mission is to inspire you to write, publish, and profit in a way that honors God. If this episode has been a blessing to you, go ahead and hit that subscribe button, then rate and review. And if you want support in your journey, whether you are a current author or an aspiring author, then join us on Facebook in the Christian Authors Network. Wherever you are in your journey, we have the best next step for you. So join us there and get the support that you need to make the impact that you have been called to make. Until next time, God bless.